Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with the co-host, Challen Rogers. And uh, Challen, if everybody could see us now, they'd see that uh, you're a bit wrapped up. Obviously, uh, anybody tracking things saw that you were placed on the injured reserve list uh, earlier this week. And uh, with what was uh, said to be an upper body injury, expected timeline for a return of four to six weeks. But uh, why don't you just uh, let's start off by saying how you're feeling and uh, what's going on. Yeah, um, every day feeling a little bit better. Um, You know, that's really all I can do right now. Just kind of take it day by day and. And uh, just listen to Davey Q and Emily, and um, yeah, just tried trying to get the wing back to full health. Now we joked a little bit before this that this is now a couple years in a row that you won't be playing on Indigenous Heritage Night, which is just kind of weird, like an odd coincidence, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of uh, too bad. You know, for you, for many reasons, obviously, but it's a special night on Saturday. And, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that you're not back at that. I don't really know where to go with this necessarily off the top because I know we don't want to get too too much into the injury, but something that uh, everybody saw on the broadcast and, and saw that you had left the game and um, probably saw the hit that uh, it happened on. And uh, did you know right away kind of something was wrong? I know you went right to the bench and kind of, were uh, hunched over and had some attention. It was on the broadcast. Everybody saw it. So sure. uh, <laughs> I guess the answer is yes. You probably knew right away. But uh, was it a you know thought? Oh, this is something serious, or did you just kind of think maybe a little little pain and and you'll bounce back? Uh, some I originally felt right away. Um, <clears throat> with talking with people that were were watching the game, a lot of people really didn't know when it actually happened. Um, but yeah, when kind of took a hit from just kind of a weird awkward angle, and um, yeah, just I've, I felt it right away. Uh, I've kind of felt it before, so I, I knew. Um, and then yeah, just kind of glad there was a whistle there. I don't know, that would have been a really awkward position to be in. Um, but yeah, kind of happy there was a whistle there, and I could get to the get to the bench. Yeah, and. Uh... One thing I'll say to, to everybody listening, you know, this is a this is a tough thing. I mean, Challenge the captain of the team, and but you've always got such a positive attitude on everything that it's just, you know, the first thing you even said to me when we sat down, and I haven't seen you since Montreal um, in these few days around here, around the track. We haven't bumped into each other. So, you know, it was just like, you know, the first thing you say is just, we're going to be okay. You know, like it's just, you know, uh, it seems to just be in your DNA that it's like this very relaxed, calm attitude. And, you know, it's probably something that carries over to the team when a lot of times you guys say there's no panic on the bench. We get down, there's no no panic. And, you know, a lot of times, obviously, that comes from coaching and leadership and all that kind of stuff, which obviously are a huge part of. But, um, you know, you say we're going to be OK. Tell us why we're going to be OK. Just gives opportunity for for our younger guys, right? Um, and you've seen what they've done when they've gotten in the lineup. You know, I'll just shout out Zach. Like um, he he got mixed into a couple games and and he didn't skip a beat. He he fit right in and he was a spark plug for us. So um, yeah, we're we're kind of battling some things within the team right now, but it just gives opportunity to guys 
um, who are hungry for that opportunity and they're going to run with it. So, um, you know, I'm just excited for that. It, it's always kind of interesting to me. I mean, we watch, you know, summer lacrosse and you play more frequently, usually in the summer when we're talking about box lacrosse here. I know in the PLL, you're still kind of spaced out to that one game a week type of thing. Um, but it, I feel like sometimes this speaks to the level of play and intensity in the NLL, right? And that it just seems to be at another level that guys are banged up all the time, right? Yeah. Maybe not out of the lineup banged up, but guys are legitimately like, and it feels like it happens more than in the summer for some reason. And I don't know if that's because of the, again, the intensity, the compete. I mean, the playoffs, I know it goes to a different level in the summer because, you know, you're playing a best of seven over like, 10, 11 days, potentially, right, if you go the distance. And that can uh, obviously just, you know, have an impact on the body, but it just seems like child's <laughs> having chair problems again, <laughs> folks. <laughs> um, it just seems like, you know, does that speak to the intensity and the just how competitive these games are and how physical they are? And, you know, how do you – how do you explain that to a fan even like what you guys are going through with your bodies every week? Yeah, it, it is a grind. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, you look, you look around the room and, and you just see guys battling through things all the time throughout the season. And, um, you know, they're probably battling it the same, uh, in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a physical game. It's a fast game and it's, it's hard in your body, you know, other like, or sorry, unlike, you know, hockey where maybe you can, uh, you know, I've never played hockey, but, you know, can kind of glide around, you know, hit a top speed and kind of, um, you know, float out there. Um, whereas lacrosse, you know, you're just constantly running, moving forward, backwards, laterally. It's, it's, uh, it's hard on your body, but, you know, it's, it's definitely part of the reason why we love playing it. It uh, was an absolutely incredible game on Friday night in Montreal. Laval, Quebec, Place Bell. Last bell. <laughs> Last bell. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. There's so many things to unpack from this game on Friday night. Um, let's start with the turf. What did you think of that? I mean, it was. Uh, it's different. It's uh, like rectangular, square pieces of turf that keep things incredibly flat. They're not rolls of turf, so it doesn't really you know, end up having that opportunity to get some of those bumps and folds in it that, you know, most turfs around the league end up having to endure because of, uh, you know, obviously the turf's not down all the time in these buildings. It has to be taken up for other events, hockey, concerts, etc. Um, it was, it looked great, I think, in the end on TV once all the, you know, the stickers were on it and whatnot. And I know everybody will say it was ripped at center at the faceoff dot and, yeah, and there was, I think, some extenuating circumstances that existed <laughs> with regards to why that why that happened. But, um, you know, what did you think of the turf overall and, and playing on it? And was that the first time that you had had a chance to play on that type of turf? Uh, I know they have it kind of similar out in Langley. Um, but, yeah, I don't even know if I've played on that type of turf. Maybe in 2019 for Worlds, but... Um, yeah, it was different. It was different for sure. Uh, kind of first... You know, you get on it, you kind of like stabbing your foot into the ground, see how the traction is and things like that. But, um, you know, it's it was fine. I, I had no complaints about it. Um, flat was being – flat turf's nice, you know. Um, there's definitely some places we play where it's not flat. Um, but, yeah, that, that was definitely an added bonus. And, 
um, you know, the traction was great too. It's, it's not like we were slipping around out there. At least I wasn't, um, or I didn't feel like I was. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the turf. The stickers on, on the turf, a little weird, but you know, that's to be expected. I think that's kind of the missing piece with that turf. If there ever is a way to <clears throat> obviously embed any kind of advertisements, logos or whatever, right into the turf rather than have stickers. That's obviously the, I think ideal setup. Uh, I'm not sure if this turf lends itself to that or not, but it seems like everybody liked it. Um, at first I wasn't sure how it was going to look on TV. And then, you know, the more you see it, just, you kind of get used to it. Um, I thought everything was, was really well done. From the event side, I mean, hats off to the Riptide and Eventco and, and everybody that pulled everything off. Obviously, this was a New York Riptide home game. So, um, you know, they were in charge with a lot of the, you know, the game day stuff behind the scenes and whatnot. And, you know, I went to a production meeting on the Thursday uh, when we had the arrival and, you know, everything was on point. Everybody had stuff organized. Um, it was great that uh, Leilon who is our game day producer actually went to, to Montreal and produced the game. So that was a big plus for them as well in terms of the in-game entertainment and whatnot. I think that was a, a big help to them. So hats off to those guys. You guys did a great job. Uh, incredible venue. The, the crowd, like, let's talk about that. I know some people said that, you know, there was some booing that, and I thought it was coming from like a very isolated section of the arena that where the Riptide fans had their, you know, team tickets and whatnot. I didn't really feel, did you guys feel that booing when you guys came out? I, I didn't, like there was, it was probably noticeable maybe a little, but I, I didn't think there was very much. Like Yeah, no, I'm not. Compared to other places that we played, no, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, uh, didn't catch that. No, and then I thought as the game went on, it was like, they were so appreciative of the little things i could as you say that i could not have said it better like you kind of watch some of the plays over um you know watching the game and it's like some guy makes a cool little move and it's like oh and then it's like right after that something else like maybe cool pass and it's like oh and you can feel like the excitement building up over these like oh, oh, oh and then you know someone scores and it's just like they're very um, you know, into it. and Yeah, they were engaged with exactly like you're saying, the, a little pass, a little quick move, a little behind the back. Like, they were watching the game. Yeah, you even though I they mean? may have not had an idea of what was going on, they were emotionally invested into it. Yeah, I would love to know any kind of uh, stats or anything just on how many people that that was their first lacrosse game they've seen or if that was the first NLL game they've seen or attended or whatnot, just what the actual makeup of the crowd was because it was, it was really cool. It, yeah. Their engagement was it, maybe the best I've ever felt in an arena that it was every little thing. It didn't matter when it was in the game, what the score was. It was just, they were so into it. Yeah. And even like warmups, like uh first warmup, you know, you're not expecting a whole lot, especially in a newer environment. And we go out there and it's, kind of looking around like oh there's kind of a lot of people here for for this and and even looking around more so it's you're seeing people in jerseys and they're not just like your random hockey jerseys like they're lacrosse jerseys and obviously i've never seen a lot of them before so it's 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 really cool to kind of see um you know the lacrosse community from from that area come out and i will say like i don't know how many people have seen a montreal Canadiens game at uh bell center 
<laughs> I've only been there once. It was in January of 2006. Went to see Sidney Crosby's first game in Montreal. And, and I always go back to that, and I'm like, the fans are just different here. They're so appreciative. And when Sid hit the ice, visiting player, it was like, you know, it wasn't filled with Penguins fans by any means. And it was just this, like, as soon as he hit the ice, all the fans cheered in warm-up. And I was like, this is so cool. And it was like the sports fan in Montreal just seems to appreciate. I'll keep saying that appreciate thing. They just appreciated like this. They're like, hey, this is the first time we're seeing Crosby stepping on the ice. He's, you know, uh, the Canadians were Sid's boyhood favorite team. Sid's dad was drafted by the Habs way back. Like, you know, there's connections there. Obviously, he played in the Quebec League in, in junior. So there, there was a connection there. And it, it just felt kind of the same on Friday night where it was like the fans were so – I know we're being really repetitive here and we're, we're really pumping the tires of the fans in Quebec. But, I mean, that is a market right now that is primed and ready. I think that building is like the perfect size – it is big enough. It is intimate. The sound system there was amazing. I found it was pretty loud, but <laughs> it was amazing. Jumbotron is like a, a very nice size that it's not distracting, but it's perfect. Like that, whoever designed that building, perfect. A couple things back of house and entering the floor, right? Like you guys don't have tunnel access on the visitor bench. Like there's some little things there, but it almost kind of just fits to everything kind of favors the home team a little bit the way they built things. Right. So I, I thought that was cool. So, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys take as much stock of the building and, and that kind of thing, but you know, did you have any thoughts on, on the building itself and, and just how it fits into the, the NLL landscape? Yeah, no, it seemed like a kind of, like you said, perfect little size. Um, <clears throat> it did, did feel intimate. It could go higher if you really wanted it to, um, you know, like obviously where fans sit and stuff like that. But yeah, from a overall game point of view, it, it was it was great from from the floor and um, yeah, it was it was great experience. And we got to give a shout out to all the rock fans that definitely came out because um, you know see a lot of familiar faces, uh, you know, warming up, just kind of looking around at, at the crowd and. Um, you know, you see a lot of those people, um, you know, obviously at First Ontario Centre and and everywhere, you know, you see the roadies in there and, and um, a lot of different different people that get, get to come and support us. So we're very appreciative of, uh, of that. Absolutely. There were there was a strong, strong contingent of rock fans that made the trip. And I think as the game went on, I think even the crowd became even more pro rock as it went on. And obviously, you know, after the first quarter being down five, two after that, it was pretty well a, a fairly one-sided game on the scoreboard. And uh, I think the, again, the crowd, I'll say it again, appreciative. They were, they just recognized good play and that, you know, the guys were, were rolling. And, and one thing that did, I think a lot of people, you know, thought swung a little bit of the momentum in that second quarter where there, there happened to be a fight and, <laughs> Not all of like the clip that made it to air didn't totally tell the story of how it started because no. Callum Jones kind of like went at Tom a little bit and then Tom gave it back to him. And on the on the clip that, you know, has been seen one billion times now or whatever it is, uh, you know, you only see Tom's retaliation to it. So 
I, I know there was a bit of that. Anyways, that is really irrelevant to the whole story. But then, you know, Brad kind of gets loose. The southpaw starts going. Um, been there, done that. I was going to say, <laughs> you've been on the other end of it uh, back in the Minto Cup 2012, Coquitlam Orangeville. But um, it, what did that do for the team? Because it even just seemed like Brad was quite fired up. Like when oh, yeah. he ran off the floor, his his fist pump, he's waving his hands to get like, you know, I don't know if it was towards the crowd to get excited or the bench, but, you know, um, what did that, you know, in your opinion, do for the team and, and maybe even swung the game? I mean, things were starting to go, you know, the Rocks way. In terms of score, we're battling back to tie it up at seven at the half, but, you know, just maybe talk about what something like that did and does for the team. Uh, well, for me, I wasn't on the bench for that. I had kind of a different uh, point of view. I was kind of down the hall, and and that scrum happened right in front of the hall. So I kind of saw, like, every everyone was, I don't even know, like 10 feet away from me. I'm watching this all, but couldn't really see Brad. And then uh, Shay had his computer there um, for, like, replays and stuff. So I'd, like, I could see everyone kind of, getting all scrummy there but then it panned to like brad on the laptop so i felt like i was in it but like i was just watching brad go to town <laughs> but um like on the emotional side what that does for the group especially brad he does so much for this team and um you know he has done so much for this team and he's a very very underrated fighter because i you know he doesn't really get in a lot of those type of situations i would say um but when he does, you see what kind of happens. And even in the video there, it's, it's I saw was the post or one of the posts that was posted that video that you're talking about of the scrum kind of starting and then pants to Brad, like he's getting, you don't really see it cause you don't see it on camera, but you see it kind of behind the scrum, him like soak two, three, four kind of punches. And then, then he gets his, then he gets his hand out and, <laughs> and we all saw what happened, but um yeah just it it fires up the group you know and and especially a situation like that with the outcome like that it just a guy sacrificing for another guy on the team it's it's everything you want in a teammate and uh you know a leader and um you know it's you love seeing love seeing guys do that and and uh you know brad having i was fired up for brad i saw him in the locker room first was, he's kind of blacked out just like calming down i guess from everything and i was going that fired me up yeah i mean there's some uh obviously we've got the nll wired stuff that uh, by the time you're hearing this it, it's out there and there's some you know you can hear some comments from the bench and whatnot that uh you know we we kind of get access to and um you know mark matthews was the player that was mic'd up for us so um <laughs> it was there was some good stuff on there and um yeah, I mean, you hope at the end of the day that everybody's okay and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, we hope uh, Johnny LaFontaine's okay. It's a tough situation to get into, and especially when, uh, you know, like you'll see in the clip that actually gets out that goes public, you know, the bench is yelling, lefty, 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 as as Brad's, you know, getting loose. And it, it's tough to watch that, I'm sure, from the other side. And, and it, 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 you know, like we say, we hope, uh, you know, Johnny's going to be okay and all that kind of stuff. He's a longtime player in this league and, and whatnot. And, uh, but yeah, like you say, it just, it, it seemed to swing the game a bit, even though things were, were starting to build, you know, well on the offensive and the comeback side, 
it just seemed to take things to another level. And I got that, you know, comment. I think a lot of fans felt that way watching the game too. And sometimes, you know, fighting can be overrated, underrated, and there's a time and a place, but that just seemed to be the right time and the right place for that to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, kudos to Brad for doing it because it's not something that everybody likes to do. It's probably one of the toughest jobs out there, right, to to want to step up and do that. It's not uh, – everybody's not built for it, right, and either mentally or physically. So it's it's great to see Brad do that. And like we say, pretty well, uh, <clears throat> I think, was the one of the key things that swung the momentum. And the good Halton Hills Bulldog. He is, isn't he? <laughs> I'm surprised right. that wasn't the You're first right. thing that came yeah. out. I've seen him do that a few times back in the day. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I felt great for Brad, like you say. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing to say, but you just, you kind of like, it's almost one of those things he needed, right? Um, you know, he did get one fight last year and didn't go well necessarily. Didn't go bad. Yeah. Didn't go well. Just didn't go the way yeah. we wanted it to. So go. we traded for that guy. So now <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. We've got Bush is on our side now. So, um, yeah, we can kind of leave the fight at that. That that there. Uh, but yeah, overall, just a, again a great experience in Montreal, and uh, you know, kind of on the coattails of all that was the big announcement that the New York Riptide are going to be relocating to Ottawa next year. So they uh, played the game in Montreal and decided, eh, we're going to just slide a little over uh, west, I guess, and then head to Ottawa next year. And, um, you know, a relationship there, budding with the Senators and the Ottawa Black Bears and, and whatnot. But obviously the Nepean, Gloucester, Ottawa area becoming a hotbed for lacrosse. We've seen Tyler Hendricks here come out of that Ottawa area, you know, kind of firsthand right here to the Toronto Rock. Um, your thoughts just uh, on the move. I mean, and that the the Riptide are, are going to have a new home. And um, what do you think of the Black Bears? Yeah, uh, very interesting. Obviously, you know, we have that exhibition in Montreal and, and uh, a couple of days later, we find out that they're they're not going to Montreal. They're going to Ottawa. But like you said, I think it's great for that area, and and um, <clears throat> it's just it's I think it's good for them. Um, you know, they for whatever reason it wasn't really working in New York uh, with attendance and crowd and stuff like that, which is very weird to me. Um, you know, I, I went to university on the island, and and um, you know it's a it's a hotbed for lacrosse, so. Uh, just interesting. It didn't work out there, but um, you know, it's it's going to be great for this league, great for Ottawa, and um, yeah, just it's a little bit closer than going to New York. So speaking of Long Island and you attending Stony Brook, like you're saying, like what kind of attendance did you guys have at your games? And like you know, just the general box across awareness when you were there among any fans or whatever that you may have interacted there. Like what? Did it exist? Like was because it always seems like we say like you know Baltimore, Maryland, hotbed of lacrosse. No team, <laughs> right? Like Long Island slash New York. This has been tried now three times basically between the the Titans, the Saints, and the Riptide, and unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out any of these times. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you tell me, like, what what was it like there? I know we always say hotbed, but it's, you know, field lacrosse is is clearly the, the king there when it comes to lacrosse. And I don't even know how much box there is and, and, you know, that kind of thing. When I was there, it was on the come up. Like, uh, 
Joe Spelina, the head coach of the women's team at Stony Brook. Um, he was he got me and Brody Eastwood, uh, Victoria guy, um, to come out and coach and help out with one of his uh, box lacrosse um, kind of teams when I was at school, and and that's probably my junior year, sophomore year of school, and and then um, we kind of weren't allowed to do that anymore, and but. I thought it was always kind of building to kind of where I thought it'd be. Oh my God, I keep hitting this. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if I'm we could, if you can see us, the chair goes up, chair goes down. <laughs> Unexpected. Yeah, rogue, right. rogue ankle. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought it was always on the incline, and, and someone who would know a lot better than me is probably Tom. Um, and you know, him playing and having such an impact on the indoor game that he has. I thought that would have kind of boosted, um, you know, it as well. Uh, you kind of just see what he's been doing, and he's, you know, he's Tom. He's just unreal, and um, you know, I thought that would have boosted. And and you know, you, you have you have a great young player with the Riptide in Jeff Teat, who's very very good. And you know, if he's not going to be able to get guys in that or get people in that building, then I don't know. I don't know. I still think in so many of that, so many of these markets, and we've said it before here, but I really do think somehow, some way, it is getting box across in the NCAA is yeah. the, the the thing. Like that's the thing. I, I anybody could try to like come up with some kind of argument against it and whatever, but I will like to the grave be like that. That's the missing piece in the U.S. for box across is once it gets to the collegiate level, then things will change. Yeah, that's and, a very good point too. It's it's probably not not much um, you know focus in the box game because there's no kind of future yeah. in it, um, like with regards to school and uh, academics. But yeah, it's a very good point. Right, because I mean, right now we talk about like, oh, you know, go play, like in the U.S. play box. It's going to make your field game better, mm-hmm. right? I feel like that's kind of a little bit of the message in the U.S. Yeah, and it's like, well. Why don't you just play box and get really good at box and then have it in the NCAA? And yeah, it, it, it just goes on to another point. And actually, we will get into the viewer mailbag, or listener mailbag, sorry, shortly uh, because Jello, our good friend, actually talks a little bit about the Sixes format and that because we just went through the, you know, the PLL championships. There was, you know, the Sixes format there, which is a little bit different, I think, than what the Sixes international format is, right? I yep. think a little bit. And, um, it's tough because again, I've said it here. It's like when you get behind in sixes, it's like impossible to catch up, which is tough. Yeah. You know, and even in, you know, they got the two pointers in the mix. I don't want to go on too much about this, but it's just, it's, it's really tough to catch up. It is tough. Yeah. Especially when, especially when a lot of those games were very two point driven. Yeah. And and you just get to like a clock management, you know, and and watching some of that PLL stuff. There's no pressure on the ball coming up the floor or the field and there's no chance of a turnover. It's just like come down. It's so quote unquote easy. I know it's not easy, but it appears easy to score easier. It's just grab and go. Everybody retreats, but you just kind of get to bring it up and play another set. It's a little bit basketball-y in that kind of sense right where there's not a lot of pressure coming up the floor necessarily and uh i just i i 
just don't know. I just don't know about sixes right now. I'm just not sure. Like there has to be, and I know we've got into these deep conversations about it before, but just the strategic approach to it and what's going to happen between now and the Olympics and what it's actually going to look like and how the game's actually played and like how I think the, you know, the guys who are maybe more often long stick defenders, how they all become short stick defenders. Mm-hmm. That all these guys that are, you know, field first or field only that are going to be on these other teams that like, I think defending is a big transition point we'll call from field across to the sixes format. Oh, for sure. I feel like sixes is just being responsible with the ball. Like that is, that is sixes. You want to have success in sixes. You have to responsible. Uh, you have to be responsible with the ball. Cause you kind of see it. Like some guys just taking these weird shots. I'm going to call it weird, but bad shots, high, high shot clock. And you're just taking low angle shots and just going low to high and skyrocketing it over the net. Like that's a terrible shot. That's one thing that we really focused on in sixes when we played it at the world games was, you know, finishing at a very high rate and having easy goals rather than take these outside looks that, um, you know, you obviously lose percentage. These are some of the best shooters in the world too with, with big nets shooting pretty, pretty close and we're trying to score within a meter of the crease every time. So it's, if you're valuing the ball, making those kind of 75% plays rather than kind of like the 50 fifties, you're going to have success. When you start throwing the ball away, kind of making those eh, maybe passes, you get behind. That's how you get behind, I feel like, in sixes. And the one other thing is the, you know, the grab-and-go aspect of it. And not to get – we're already deep into this. But uh, Jeremy O. Jello, uh, who loves the nickname, by the way. We can get into that later too. But um, – you know, he makes a great point, and it's something I've thought as well. Is you know, as a fan watching the game, there's a a bit of you that a lot of you, when you're watching the game, you want to celebrate your team's success. You want to see a replay. You want to be like, that was a sick goal. I loved it. My guy worked so hard. I want to see it again. There's no opportunity for that as a fan to celebrate the goal, really, because the play's gone and it's moving on. So there's there's that whole, like, man, this is so fast, but it's almost like it's too fast. Yeah. You certainly could say that. I could I could see that for sure. I, I but I, again, like I don't like you can't because then you're bringing faceoffs back in, you're slowing it down. Now you got you got such small rosters. You're bringing a specialty guy onto the rosters to take faceoffs. Just have more screens. There you go. More screens, <laughs> like yeah. video screens. Yeah. <laughs> one you get a replay, the other one showing you live video. Yeah, I mean for sure. I mean from the broadcast side to like split it so that well, look at that. Brad Cree is in attendance here, folks, and we just pumped his tires. It's almost like he knew that this was going on. <laughs> and no one wants to stare at those eyes. Um but yeah, like you said, like on the broadcast side, you'd like split up. You know, go to a split screen situation, the live versus the replay. But then, you know, when goals start coming ha- quickly, it's like, 
replay live, live replay. Re- like, which are you watching? Like, there's going to be a goal while you're, you know, you got one eye going one way and the other one going the other way to try to watch everything. It's, um, I don't know. It, it, I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's obviously something I think everybody uh, is going to be keeping their eye on here over the next four years as we get ready for, you know, sixes and how it's covered, the strategy of the game, and all those types of things are going to be uh, pretty darn interesting. It will Jack. be. Yeah. Um, what do we want to jump into next, child? Do we want to go into some listener mailbag? Sure. Sure. All right. Well, so for the first time, we promoted this in-game on February the 10th against Calgary. Um, we must say that <laughs> there were a few fans that decided that um, – it was more their avenue to either vent, comment on the game that was going on. And and it's just funny that, you know, we talk about fandom and just like how passionate people are. And it's like you're sitting there in the stands and you're like, ah, I got to tell somebody about like what I'm thinking. And it's like this email address pops up on the screen. And it's like, there it is. Okay, get out my phone. I'm sending these guys an email and telling them, you know, pull the goalie, do this more often. The defense needs to work harder. And it's like. That, these were just general questions to win a rock prize pack to send to us to ask and discuss. So it's, you know, it was just funny. And you talk about fandom and just people are passionate. And so <laughs> while they weren't really a fit for what we were looking for in terms of uh, listener mailbag questions, it was awesome. It's awesome to see the passion of our fans. That's it the way we'll leave it. it. You know, and some of it's just, you know, you're like, you're in the moment and you're just like, kind of going crazy and you're like, oh, I got to tell somebody this. And, and then, you know, we see the, you know, the, the, you know, there was a few people <laughs> that decided to jump in on that. So, uh, I don't know where we want to go back to. There was another email that actually I haven't shared with you yet from Jeremy that, uh, was again, uh, very positive. He's loving the show. Lots of people, the prize packs went out. Everybody says, uh, received and they all enjoyed the prize packs. So, we will uh, we'll go through some emails here and we'll pick out a couple of questions because some people sent in like eight, nine, ten questions in their emails. So we'll, we'll pick out a few here from some things. Um, but yeah, here, here's one we talk about. And, and this is kind of interesting. So this comes from uh, Dan B. Doesn't say where he's from, but uh, Dan B, what's up? Uh where are we here? Okay, so let's go to question number two on his list. Any chance Dan Dawson's number six gets put in the rafters in Rock City this year or maybe in the next couple of years? And we've seen a big jersey retirement in the NHL. Yarmor Yager's 68 goes to the rafters in Pittsburgh, so maybe this is a bit timely. But I'll ask this question, actually, because this is the one that we always – and I think we may have had this conversation offline, but um, – you know, Dan Dawson's number six, storied career, one of the greatest players of all time. His history with The Rock is very short. Yes. How do you think you, how do you honor a player like that who, you know, he's in a bit of an interesting situation because probably, you know, the most championship success for him came in Rochester with the original Nighthawks. That team relocates to Halifax. So his kind of history is more with the Thunderbirds than the current Nighthawks. 
So, you know, and then you factor in all the other teams that he played for for kind of like shorter runs. Yep. It, it's one of the most unique situations, I think, that you would find in all of pro sports that you would have a player that has been that significant to the game, that successful, won as much as he has, you know, the all-time games played record, the all-time assists record, like that type of stuff in other sports is like, he's getting a statue out front of the arena, but I don't know if there's a spot to retire his number. Just league league retired. I, I don't know because you're like, I mean, that he played for half of the team, half the team. <laughs> <That's true>. Just <laughs> half the league. But yeah, I feel like that is something that is probably reserved for, you know, John Tavares who, you right. know, spent his entire career, has all the records, all this stuff. Um, not all of them, obviously. Dan has some of them too. But, you know, spent his whole, almost his whole career. I guess he had a short, short time uh, with one other franchise. But, um, you know, with the Bandits. So, I, I just don't know. It, it's that thing that I've always tried to figure out in my head is how, how do you recognize and awesome? It's a very good question. If you ask him, he doesn't want any recognition at all. Well, Rock City. Pay attention to things in-game on Saturday night. No, it's not a Jersey retirement. But we have found a way to slightly honor Dan Dawson's legacy in the National Lacrosse League. Keep your eye on the video board on Saturday night. I will. All right. Uh, okay, so Dan, thanks for the question. Great discussion comes out of that, obviously, as always. That's probably DOS. <laughs> Instead of Dan B, it's Dan, Dan B. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, we will go to Aiden. Aiden T. Um, he's got a myriad of questions here. Um We'll, we'll throw a couple of these out here because they're they're pretty good. They're they're very like you know what do you like the most? How do you get ready for the games? All that kind of stuff. So it's, these are all good stuff. But uh, why don't we throw this out there? Because I think it's kind of interesting. Because with the track, we're in a bit of a unique situation where the guys can get together more frequently and and work out as a team and do stuff like that. Um, but you know maybe more so this is maybe a practice day kind of thing. But how does a typical training day for the team? look um it varies for sure uh <clears throat> hmm. kind of makes you think a little bit yeah well what about for you specifically for tuesday break it down tuesday um come to the track usually uh have a little hot tub just to warm up the body and then i usually work out right after um and then shoot a little bit Go on with my day. What and time is that all happening? The hot tub, the shooting, the workout? What time is that at? Uh, workout usually noon. Hot tub kind of 11-ish. Um, yeah, then do some other stuff. Uh, individuals, anything kind of around the track. And then um, usually Tuesdays are podcast day. So Boom. okay. we mix that in <laughs> after our uh, after my one-on-one. Yep. And then, yeah, come practice time, we're usually watching film at 6.30. Um, our offense and defense will split up and, and watch film. And then um, 
yeah, we usually have kind of like 30, 45 minutes before practice to kind of go on the floor, get get some work done, uh, work done, um, and yeah, and then kind of practice. And then after practice, what happens? Post game or post practice meal. A delicious meal delivered by Joey <laughs> T and La Felicita Catering. Thank you, Joey T. Shout out on the pod. Shout out. Chicken parm. Highly recommended. That's us. <laughs> bueno. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next question from Aiden T. We'll go uh, another one from him. What is the most memorable game you have played in in your professional career? Most memorable game? Uh, with The Rock. Uh, question is just professional career. So is there one more memorable that is not Toronto Rock? Um, yeah, winning some championships. Are, are nice. Why don't you go? Okay, so let's divide this up. Let's go Toronto Rock, most memorable game, and other most memorable game. Um, all right, Toronto Rock, most memorable game. Um, personally, I guess I have to go with the, the OT game winner. Um, a little selfish. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the one you wanted me to say. Well, no, it didn't have but, to be. Like, but well, yeah. it's just like you know, it's we were, pretty memorable. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> we were up big, um, and then you know they fought back in and, and took the lead, and um, just for our team to kind of be resilient there and, and just face that adversity head on and as a group and come out on the winning end. That that was a great feeling for for all of us, um, and then. Yeah, I guess non-rock would be this past summer winning winning uh, winning a PLL championship with the Archers and winning with Tom and Latrell and and all the other guys that that were on that team is is pretty special group um, you know on the field but a better group off so uh, it was nice kind of capping off our season with with that. I got one more I'm gonna hit you with from Aiden T because it's another good one. Do you and the team have any pregame rituals? Uh, do we and the, do I and the team? Um, I feel like everyone kind of has their own individual rituals. Uh, myself, I feel like I have rituals and then I'll forget to do them. So they're not really rituals <laughs> if, I, if I forget to do them. So All right. um, I think probably the most consistent thing I do is I tape Rosie's uh, feet like uh, his pads to his feet um, after the first warm-up right before the game. That's what I'll usually do. Um, do you think that's more of a ritual for Rosie or for you? Well, it, it's more for him, but now yeah, it's okay. now it's my thing too because I actually like – there's times I'd, I'd really try to hone in my focus there. Like if I'm dialed in, it'll be perfect every time. And, and, <laughs> and then, you know, it's just kind of a little wake-up call like you don't – figured out early will you still still do it when you're injured uh yeah i think you're just gonna have to tap it we we were talking about that actually <laughs> I, th- I think we can i think we can still do it okay. but there's like when we go out to the tunnel at home mitch likes to hide and then just pop out and kind of scare you and jump and then uh like he it's like a jump kind of jump yeah thing um Craig and I like to kind of slash each other and cross-check each other right before we run out on the floor, um, you know, just to kind of get your first hit out of the way. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, my body decides to vomit at times. Right after Maddie's done, my body's like, 
Yes. Go to the bathroom. We've, we've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. The ritual. Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. All right. Well, you uh, asked. Aiden. <laughs> sorry. Aiden asked. Come on. Aiden T. Thank you very much uh, for the questions. Um, here's another thing. So, all right. So, here we go. Brandon Zed, who is aged 10 and a half. Let's go. Um, he says, I am a really big fan of The Rock, and I would love it if I could win the prize pack. Please, with a little <laughs> smiley face emoji, let me know if I win. It's a good question. Brandon, you might already be the front runner here, I think, before we even get into <laughs> the questions. That is a great, uh, great piece. There. Thanks for listening. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I'll pick out a couple. Again, he's got a, a few questions here one of them is when the rock travel do they fly on commercial flights or private jets brandon <laughs> ten and a half years old is curious about commercial flights or private jets i think brandon may have had a little help with this question but <laughs> anyways um how does that go down chow yeah we're uh we're commercial jet airliners air shout out air canada that's who we fly with Yep. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. We're uh, sometimes, you know, it presents some challenges. And as we saw in the latest episode of Rock City Unplugged, that, you know, TD Erlen, his bag didn't get to Calgary. And, you know, that happens pretty rarely. But we will say, you know, TD doesn't always travel on the same flight as the rest of the team since he's not originating usually from Toronto when he travels. So, um, you know, so that's something that, that sometimes pops up. And, um, yeah, I think it's been pretty rare whenever we've had a private uh, charter for the team to travel on. It's uh, my time here only happened a few times, but um, you know, I will say anybody who has had the opportunity to fly on a private charter or anything, it is absolutely the way to go. Um, <laughs> but obviously, very expensive and kind of rare to happen. And I'd be pretty safe to say I don't believe that there are any teams in our league that regularly travel by private charter. So um, one day, one day in the future. Uh, this is the next thing that maybe we might throw out there. Is, and we don't need a commitment on this necessarily, but maybe something to think about. But can The Rock come to my overnight camp in Northland, Camp Northland, to teach some lacrosse skills, play a game, and maybe sign some jerseys. Where's that? I don't know. We'll have to find out where Camp Northland is. It's always a possibility. I mean, there's, you know, we, we do, uh, you know, visits, this kind of stuff, appearances here and there. Uh, it's tough with everybody's schedule. But uh, for something like this, Brandon, since you're a big fan of the pot, I don't know. Chow's looking it up where this is. Camp Northland. Camp Northland. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn. Oh. Council in Vaughan, Ontario. So not far away from here at all? Yeah, no. All right. Well, Chow will write that down on his to-do list and maybe do some investigating on that. Love it. All right. Um, this is kind of an interesting one, too. Well, this will be our last question from Brandon Zed, but why do the refs wear numbers? And if you want an official answer on that, I don't really know. Other than it identifies who the officials are. 
I feel like that that's the reason there. Yeah, but I mean, could the game operate if they didn't have numbers? Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't know if this is a differentiation between, you know, why do they wear numbers instead of their names on the back? You know, that's, you know, something that has kind of evolved over time. I know in hockey and lacrosse, whether or not, you know, officials have a... I like numbers. You don't want the names? The only thing like with the, in the names the is... The names like, in the summer look weird. Yeah, fair. But do you not think sometimes it gives like a little bit of personality to the refs? And sometimes, you know, like, you know, fans don't always know who's ref or whatever. Maybe they're recognized. But when the names are on the back, then you can be like, hey, you, you know, that guy always screws us or whatever. You know, like, I think sometimes a little bit of that personality is lost when they just have a, a number or no name on the back. Like, it's, it's okay. I know the refs take a lot of abuse. So any referees out there probably like, I don't want my name. <laughs> I don't want more people yelling at me or any kind of preconceived notion that, you know, that that guy always, you know, sticks it to their team or whatever. So I guess there's probably two sides to that tale for sure. But um, I will say the shot clock operator pregame will continue to get a huge shout out in Hamilton. <laughs> Big appreciation. Love it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Brandon, thank you very much. Um there are some more questions. Some people they were again thanking us uh, for the delivery of their prize pack. Jello has got more questions. We've kind of jumped into a, a mix of, of some things from uh, him this week, and and we'll we'll jump into some more of your stuff going forward in, in future episodes. But we always thank Jeremy O for uh, for contributing to the podcast, and I know I'll share you. I'll share his most recent email with you, uh, child. It's, it's a lengthy one, but uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of uh, kind words for us yet again. And, uh, yeah, it's great. So we did kind of – his last email, actually, now that I look at it, is a lot about the PLL stuff and that. So it's, uh, it's, it's some good stuff that we've already talked about here today. So uh, do we have a winner of this week's Rock Prize Pack, Jalen Rogers? Uh, nope. Nope, <laughs> you're not. You're not awarding it. Nope. What is that? Do you need me to recap our contestants here? I want you to pick this one. You want me to pick? Yep. Okay. Well, Pressure goes on you this time. Well, I, I'm picking Brandon, Brandon Zed is yep. winning. Yeah, yep. I he he hit all the the good points here on his email and uh, yeah, actually now that I look at it, he even sent along a photo of himself at the game. So this is like he bonus points checked all the boxes as an old school music note Jersey too, which uh, means I know he's 10 and a half and wasn't around when uh, the rock. Yeah. That that's, that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, Obviously worn during many a championship run in the early days with the rock. So um, probably again, like I say, he wasn't around. (laughs) <laughs> the team was wearing that jersey. So, obviously, from a family of uh, longtime Toronto Rock fans. So, Brandon Zed, you are the winner of this week's Rock prize pack. And we will get your information and get that prize pack out to you soon. That jersey to the left of that one? That, what, that is beach theme yeah. jersey of of all time. And so what Challenge pointing to is back, I can't even remember the season now, but it was, there was, it's basically like a Hawaiian theme. It looks like a Hawaiian shirt, uh, jersey that hangs up in the uh, Toronto Rock office here. And anytime anybody strolls through, that is the one that everybody gravitates to every time. 
Um, we do a lot of unique jerseys every year, right? Like this year, when you think about it, even we've got our home and away. We had our rock, our Steel City black jerseys. We have our Indigenous Night jerseys we're wearing this week. And then we also have our Marvel Night themed jerseys that are coming up. So, you know, including our two regular jerseys, that's five different jerseys. And we start adding more in and it's gets a little crazy. <laughs> well, let's just drop one. You know, it'd be perfect next year. Next year. Yeah, because the Steel City alternate jersey will likely not be in rotation next year in Mississauga. So... If we did do a beach theme or a Hawaiian night, um, maybe that's the one to bring back. That would be sweet. I would buy my own jersey. No, that's a lie. I would buy someone else's jersey. <laughs> I'm just saying because I would want it. I would want it. I would I, bid anyone. And, I, I oh, would. We should mention, actually, the auction that's going on right now. Yes. TorontoRock.com slash auction for the Indigenous Heritage Night. Jerseys, shorts, and helmets, both the game-worn and the game-issued, and the um, differentiation again there is the jerseys will be tagged with a game worn certificate of authenticity. Obviously, if the jersey is actually worn in the game uh, on Saturday, but we do produce jerseys for everyone. So that's where if a player, um, you know, a practice roster player, let's say, obviously isn't going to be dressing their jersey would be game issued. But these are the official jerseys, no matter what, that the guys would be wearing in the game. So there will be that little, you know, tag in there that uh, tells you the difference if the jersey was worn in the game or if it was just issued for the game. Issued. Challenge will be a game issued, correct, yes. But also, everybody who wins does have the option to have their jersey, shorts, helmet, whatever, signed. And there's no extra charge for that, so it does also... Add to the uniqueness of the game-worn and game-issued jerseys. When was the last time you looked at it? Uh, I I haven't really looked at it too much today, but earlier today I know Justin Martin's jersey was up to about 1,300. Still there. Still at 1,300? Yeah. Yep. Who's number two? I'm going to guess it's Mark Matthews. Because you knew that. Well, yesterday it was. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's number three? Tribes? No. Not, not, not Tom. Oh, Latrell. No. Oh. This is, this is kind of crazy. Who, I give up, who is it? It's Justin I... Martin's helmet. Oh, well, you can't say whose jersey is next and say it's No, helmet. I just said what's next. Oh, what's next. Yeah. All right, fair yeah. enough. Uh, yeah, Justin Martin's stuff is all going off, and I think there's probably been a little bit of a boost in the helmets now that uh, we put out there the helmet wrap and everything's... Uh, photographed and graphics are out there now the chrome wrap i like it yeah it looks good um who do you think here's a question for you this is auction trivia on the podcast which Uh, will be outdated by the time you listen (laughs) who whose helmet is third let's roll high spit no (sighs) so first is justin martin Second tribes? No. Is is it your helmet, Chow? No. Oh. <laughs> o or D? Uh, D. Double digit number or single digit uh, jersey uh, number? Double. Mitch Disney. Wrong. Brad Cree. Wrong. And it's not Latrell. No. Uh, it's not just Martin. 
do, do, do. Let's have some thinking music here. Uh, don't Sheldon Burns. No. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to end up running down the whole He wears number 91. Ah, oh, Billy. I, you know what? I knew that. I saw that. He was up there yesterday. I love yeah. it. I love seeing the jersey skyrocket. Bill. We're pretty close oh, to... Uh, we're over half. What's it at? What actually is it at right now? Is it 12 something? 12-8-25. 12-8. So there's been a bit of $1,000 in bids in the last 24 hours or Let's less. Go. Yeah. And after the game, someone's going to pop off and... That's another that's yep. another girl. Listen, there's always like, you know, right now people are like kind of chasing their favorite players, right? But like clockwork, if somebody fights, their jersey will go up significantly. <laughs> Obviously somebody has a big game, whatever, but so often somebody fights in the game, it's like it just goes up. People want that because they were at the game and they see the fight and yeah. Love it. So often, <laughs> so often. That's the one. And I remember I talked to uh, some people I know, even that played minor league hockey and uh, in the East coast league and whatnot. And, and you know, that's what they would say is that, you know, they didn't, they never wanted their Jersey to like, if they were a more of a role player or whatnot, they never on those auction nights, they didn't want their jerseys to go for low. So they, they'd always make sure they fought because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to be that guy, like with the low, low bid or anything. Right. So it was like guaranteed you fight, boom, your Jersey, like people want it. So that was always apparently the, uh, that, that was a play link to success there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chow, we've gone for quite some time today. Like Have it's we? been phenomenal. Yeah. Again, we laid it down here, and we apologize for last week, but it was a short week. We had travel. Uh, Chow, I think you were kind of still getting over a bit of illness last week, early in the week, maybe. Yep. Yep. And uh, and then we were traveling, and we actually had intentions of possibly doing the podcast on Thursday night at the hotel, and then I think by the time. I know I had that meeting, had something to eat, um, and it was just like, you know what, we got a game tomorrow. I was like, I can't pull Chow into this right now and say, hey, let's chat for an hour about, uh, whoop, let's chat for an hour about stuff. Uh, so we just decided last week we we're going to take a little pause on the podcast, but I think we came back pretty strong here this week. We did. And we, we haven't watched, oh, we haven't talked about what are you watching. All right. I, I caught up on something that you had watched. Okay. Griselda. Finished it? Yeah. Thoughts? It's, again, not for the kids (laughs) at all. Um, It was good. It kind of checked all the boxes for the, like, that genre of, uh, you know, documentary style show. And uh, Sofia Vergara was great in her role. Again, like you teed it up when you said you had watched it that it's very different it's like a little bit you know you just kind of like but after the first episode you kind of got over that and she was she's very good in it right yeah. and uh you know then you go back and you look at like you kind of start googling a little bit of like some other stuff and when she died when she got out of jail all those kind of things and it's like just a crazy time in history with with all of that you know scene and obviously like you know, 
illegal activity and whatnot, but it's just wild that it was like, it is what it was and, and all that kind of stuff and tracking these people that just, uh, the power, the money, the, all that kind of stuff where it, where it landed them and never in a good spot. So no. hopefully lesson learned to everybody as well, but, um, just crazy, crazy show. Crazy. So anyway, that's crazy. What else? What are you been watching? Uh, watched, uh, Napoleon last night. Yeah. I've not watched it. It's uh, obviously about Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. Very interesting. Brought me back to, uh, you know, social studies 11. But it was good. It was good. It was, it was uh, long. It's a pretty long movie. It's like three hours. But I enjoyed it. It's very good. There was something else you recommended recently, and I started to watch and I didn't like it. Uh, movie? I think it was a series. Uh, it was the... Uh, Narcos? No, the song. Oh, yeah. I couldn't get into it. Greatest, greatest... The Night of Music yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I started to... I, I maybe just wasn't in the mood to watch it because I had to bail out of it. I just I was like, I'm not feeling it. I'm yeah. not feeling it. I gave it a chance, but I probably got to go back to it because, like you say, when you told me about the concept of it all, I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. So maybe I just got to be in the right mind uh, mindset, but I didn't. I didn't get too far on that. When they actually get in the room and start doing it, that's kind of when it's yeah. getting a little bit more interesting. But because the first part was, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, we'll talk about it once I finally get through it. Um, anything else? I watched the first few episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know you don't have crave. <laughs> <laughs> Gets me every time. <laughs> Um, that's pretty funny <laughs> have I brought up dumb money did I bring that up no it was like the um, the GameStop stock story oh maybe I did watch that is it like really new no yeah, yeah. Oh, relatively new okay. Seth Rogen I think is in it oh okay no I haven't there's been another one about GameStop though hasn't there I thought there was yeah. another one I think it's called dumb money Oh, but I think there was, like, if this one's super recent that you're talking about, I think there was another one before that. Was it, like, a documentary on Netflix? I thought so. This one's, like, a movie. Movie, okay. Um, yeah. No, it's good, though. It's Amazon. And Seth Rogen's in it. He is. And it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Okay. All right. Yeah, flag it's, it's flag to watch. It's funny. Comedic drama. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Chal. Anything oh. else we want to? Oh, yeah, go sorry. I've nope, <laughs> been a big movie guy. I'm just you've had watch. some time the last yeah. few days. Yeah. Watching movies make me feel better. Yeah. Uh, the torture report, it's an older one, and okay. it's not like it's it's not about torture. Well, it is, but you oh. don't watch it. It's okay. uh, Adam Driver's in it. Yeah, it's like from it's it's older. Uh, it's like 9 11, it's about 9 11, and like okay. the uh. How they um, like tried to get answers from these people, and, yeah, and it was kind of swept under the rug, and people just didn't really look at it. But it's very it's interesting what hmm. they're cap capable of doing. They being the government. Oh, the government. Okay. Yeah, this guy ends up like writing this crazy long report, thousands of pages, and and it like doesn't really come out. Huh. Mm -hmm. All right. Another one flagged to watch. Yeah. There you go. All right. So uh, you'll be watching from upstairs. 
Will be. Saturday night. Um, game issued. Game issued. No, I'm just starting to think. Maybe we should. I don't know. You might not want to do that. I was going to say at some point we should maybe get you on the broadcast. Broadcast. Do a little guest spot maybe during like one of the quarters for like, you know, uh, like five minute stretch between media timeouts. Uh, welcome back to the program here. It's the third quarter and the rocker up. 14-12, and joining us in the booth is Rock Captain Challen Rogers. Challen, how you doing? Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not playing, so you can't be that one. <laughs> and then, you know, five minutes will be a whistle. All right, there's going to be a break on the floor. You know, well, uh, thanks, Chell, for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the game. And we hope to see you back on the floor soon. Yeah, cool. Love it. Maybe I'll talk to the old TSM folks, see if we can set that up. This week's a stream game, so I feel like there might be some more flexibility in that. All right. Gotten good practice here with you, Mike. Yeah, well, this is the thing. And you know what? I I have talked to a couple people about this, but I feel like, and you can give me your own opinion on this, but I feel like since you started doing the podcast, interviews You're going up? have gotten quite a bit better, I think. Not that they were in a bad spot. Before, but I would say, do you feel a little bit more comfortable? For sure. Yeah. I remember like doing things with Brad because we were always the live guys and we were yeah. always together when we were doing things. But um, like, <laughs> we'd be like driving to Toronto at like six thirty in the morning for like doing some morning thing with whoever, and yeah, just like I'm so nervous, I'm so tired, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm gonna say. Like, they're gonna ask yeah. me a question, I'm gonna be like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> it's come a long way from that time. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Well, I'm just answering your questions on here. So but you've a done a lot of like high profile stuff. And, and I think about this uh, and every time it seems like we do something kind of big, I'm like, okay, this was really cool. Like nobody's got a chance, like the trade center thing on TSN, like you're around, like, you know, Canadian broadcasting, like royalty Royalty. history, like James Duthie walks in. Like I didn't even know James Duthie was going to be hosting the segment with you because I just heard Gino Retta was going to be there. And I'm like, okay, cool. So he's probably going to, you know, carry the segment. And uh, I, I, and then Duthie just kind of like strolls out and I'm like, whoa, I did not know that Mr. Duthie was going to be the man out here. And there's like a, you know, in terms of Canadian broadcasting, like he's especially sports oh, broadcasting, sports, like yeah, he's kind sure. of the man. Yeah, he does all the big. <laughs> yeah, he, like he does all the big events for TSN. Yeah, he like he is the like he's at the Super Bowl on the field hosting the panel. Like he's the panel on the NHL. He's World the, Juniors. Yeah, he's that, he's the everything guy. Yeah. Um, that was that was that was sweet. Yeah, and then the NFL thing, like just the size of that production, you know, and then what came out of it and the fact that you were on you know featured on nfl games all season long <laughs> they they inserted that commercial in all the canadian broadcasts through pretty well the whole year so your face was on you know national television in front of millions of viewers every week and it's like whoa <laughs> that's big yeah you know it, it, when i saw watching like football stuff i just kind of laugh because like you said it's just something i'd never never have dreamed of doing or thinking that I would have had the opportunity to do. So it was, it was, uh, 
And we haven't done this since the Super Bowl. So I know I messaged you, and I don't even think you texted me back about this, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. When I started looking at what the the numbers were for Canadian viewers in the Super Bowl last year, and I'm like, okay, if NFL Canada has time on this and they insert the game-recognized game clip as they have throughout the entire year, I started thinking, holy moly, how many eyeballs are going to see the Toronto Rock? And, like, you know, you – Buying Super Bowl commercials, it's not as expensive in Canada as it is in the U.S., but it is still, like, insanely expensive. So, you know, we're getting that basically for free, at least some kind of – and they did have an NFL Canada kind of like little highlight reel, and the game-recognized game, I don't know if – I don't know if it was your, like, let's have some fun or, like (laughs) – I don't know if that got played. There was some, there was like a two second thing of it. And I almost, I don't even think I was actually like paying attention. I just kind of heard and said, game right whatever in the background. Um, so even that, like it was just so tiny there. So it wasn't quite what, uh, I don't know if you noticed that, that that was on. Uh, my girlfriend saw it. Yeah. Were you, was your face on at that point? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Shouldn't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back and see if there's some way to check that. But even just that reach is crazy. And, I mean, the only other thing that I would put up maybe that I can think of that would be very similar to being on par with any of those things is when we were doing the rounds for Colin Doyle's jersey retirement, I was able to book him on primetime sports with Bob McCowan. And at that point, like, that was the show basically kind of in Canada, like the talk show and. And Colin was in the studio with Bob McCowan. And that was like a very, very big deal at that time. And I just couldn't believe like I'm sitting there in the in the, uh, you know, the production, you know, control room, basically just watching like those guys just chat and Bob McCowan. You just see the appreciate you get the appreciation for how good of a broadcaster these guys are, because he just slides in there, and I know he's not a lacrosse guy. Probably doesn't know a ton enough about the, about the Toronto Rock, but knows the situation. Collins in, getting his jersey retired, and everything. And the interview was just like golden, golden. <laughs> and I'm like, man, he is lending so much credibility to our sport and what we do just by you know the way he treated his guests with respect and and got into that interview. It was it was pretty cool. So every time we do these high profile things, I think it only helps and. Uh, You've been lucky enough to be a part of uh, some very, very good ones in a short time here with the Toronto Rock. Yeah. Every Overall. time Trade Center pops up, I'm like, oh, maybe. 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 <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. I mean, it is coming up again, and I, I don't know uh, if they've got anything uh, that they're maybe thinking of this year. The, the relationship with TSN only mm-hmm. seems to be growing, so maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll float a little something out there to some people and see. See what we can maybe get charged up here. Zegris has done a lot of lacrosse style goals this year. Yeah. Yeah. Bedard. Well, they were like kind of back to back there, right? Yeah. The, uh, oh, special delivery. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's worth, uh, you know, showing some people what actual lacrosse goals are in lacrosse. Hopefully it's not in the 46 window. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, I don't know how much I could show. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I think the trade deadline's in like three weeks, so. On, on pace. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll be able to have the other hand free there, right? Eh? Yeah. 
Okay, Chow. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there. This has turned into a marathon and it's been a very good one. Um, thanks to everybody for sticking around listening. Again, if you want to jump into the listener mailbag, which is li- quite busy now, uh, but we. It's all we've wanted it to be. It is, yeah. So once we threw Sorry, this. Sorry, it always has been. Yes. It, but now that the prize pack's been introduced, it's, it's kind of taken level. it to another level. Absolutely. So total access at torontorock.com is how you get your questions to us. And if uh, myself or Chow decides that your question was uh, worthy of a prize pack, you will receive one via the mail. And uh, some nice stuff in there. We'll probably mix it up over time. But I think it was like, uh, you know, a T-shirt, sign ball, hat, combo, toque maybe in there. Yeah, it was we're kind of mixing it up a little bit. But we'll continue to kind of play with that and get some people some cool stuff and some signed stuff. And we thank everybody for contributing to the podcast. Absolutely. You guys make this a whole lot better than just listening to Mike and I talk. Yeah. You give us great fodder for conversation. You've been all over the SAT words today. <laughs> <laughs> myriad, what other words? Myriad. A myriad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've had some other ones, but you mentioned them and I'm like, I feel like I've seen those on <laughs> SAT prep questions or something like that. All right. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I'll uh, take it that way, Chow. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Okay. That will, uh, I think, just about do it again. Saturday night, Indigenous Heritage Night, the Toronto Rock and the Vancouver Warriors. The Rock trying to uh, get back on the winning track at home after a couple of straight home losses. Uh, but a 7-2 and two record still has the Rock on top of the league, tied with the Albany Firewolves for the best record in the National Lacrosse League. So that is something to be very happy about. And hopefully this Saturday night, the team can put another win in the bank. In the, you should have just saw what he did with his hand there. In the bank. <laughs> yep. Loading it up. Loading it up. Loading up the bank. Another win in the bank is a good thing. <laughs> Maybe that can be the goal celebration when you come back. It's just <laughs> in the bank. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, make sure you're there and don't forget to check out the indigenous heritage night auction, torontorock.com slash auction with proceeds going to the Downey Wenjack fund. Uh, you can check out, uh, more, jump over to their website and learn a little bit more about what they do. We've got so much stuff going on on Saturday night. Make sure you get there early, spend some time on the concourse, lots of stuff going on halftime. We have the uh, stickball game going on again, narrated by Gary Parker, which was awesome uh, every time we do it. So something you want to make sure you stay in your seats for at halftime as well. Jerseys are awesome. Corey Parkin did an amazing job with the logo and and some touches to the jersey this year and some meaning. So make sure you check out uh, Behind the Jersey at torontorock.com for a little bit more on the meaning of the Indigenous Heritage Night jerseys and... uh, we're looking forward to this Saturday night. It's going to be great. All-Canadian matchup with the Vancouver Warriors. They're coming in here real hungry, trying to battle their way back and stay alive in the playoff hunt after a bit of a rough start to their season to the midway point. But uh, it'll it'll be another good one. You can watch the game on TSM+. Plus. No broadcast television, but it is streaming across the Canadian universe on TSN+. Plus. Need a subscription. So make sure you get that set up before the game. On Saturday night, 7 o'clock start, torontorock.com for tickets. Um, anything else we got to plug here? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. 
All right, Chell. Well, thanks a lot. Great bounce back episode here. And we hope that uh, you're bouncing back very soon and we'll see you back on the floor sooner than later. Um, along with everybody else, hopefully getting healthy and being back to uh, full steam, full whatever, going into the playoffs. We're still full steam ahead. Okay. There you go. You heard it from the captain. In the meantime and in between time, for the co-host, Challen Rogers, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. That's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with, and we will chat next week.